Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And hopefully you have been digging on everything that we've been putting out for you guys. We have something really cool lined up today. We've got a Facebook Live going on. I'm going to take the video, pull out the audio, put this into a podcast for you guys. On our line, we have Robert Gardner. He is a massage therapist in Austin, Texas. I've been following some of the stuff that he's been doing in social media on Facebook. I really love what you do. I reached out to him and I said, hey, man, you want to come on our podcast? And and uh, he found some time in his busy schedule to uh, to fit me in, which I'm really appreciative of. Thank you, brother. Oh, you're very welcome. All right. So um, I, I, like I said, I like what you do, especially when it comes down to the education. I really into the Thai massage videos that I, I've seen you have on Facebook. Why don't you give our audience a little bit of information about you and then we'll we'll start wrapping on your background and some of the cool stuff that you do. Yeah, yeah. My name is uh, Robert Gardner. I've been practicing as a massage therapist for 16 years and I think teaching for the last 10 or so. Um, that certainly ramped up in the past two or three years where uh, teaching and then online education is a larger portion of my business, but I continue to see clients just north of Austin, Texas, and travel around the country, uh, currently not internationally, but uh, working closer to that. I got into massage therapy from a car accident. I was originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was hit by a drunk driver after Jazz Fest in 1999. Oh, oh wow, man. Um, yeah, I had, a, I had a bad whiplash, uh, developed TMJ dysfunction, had a bunch of other just, you know, chronic pain uh, related issues that led me into massage therapy. So chronic pain had always been a core focus of what I did. And I discovered Thai massage and yoga about a month apart from each other and almost immediately started mixing and matching and blending Mm -hmm. the practices. Thai massage was something that was passive somebody could do to me. And then yoga was something active I could do to myself. Um, I was using both of them to essentially deal with any soft tissue uh, dysfunction I had developed. Tell, tell me about the accident if, you, if it's not too much of a, of a bring uh, back for you. We were uh, driving back uh, late one night after a night in New Orleans. I think we'd gone to see the string cheese incident. This was 429.99. Yeah, you can look up that show if you want. <laughs> um, but uh, we were driving back. We were just on the outskirts of Baton Rouge on the interstate. I was in the rear uh, driver side of the car. Mm -hmm. And for a split second, you heard the sound of an engine revving as high as it possibly could. Just enough to go, huh? And then the car just slammed uh, into the back of us. The car went off of the interstate, down it, off, off the road into some trees. So it was a double you know, collision and impact. Yeah. Uh, we were taken to the hospital. They ran an x-ray and they said, hey, there's nothing broken. You're fine. I was, in fact, not fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, lots of lots of pain. Um, and then from there, it just began this odd journey for me. I was a philosophy student at LSU, uh, thinking deep thoughts about unemployment, uh, very frustrated, didn't know what I wanted to do in life, and a drunk driver essentially, ah, I don't know, I took a bunch of broken eggs and made an omelet because all of that free thinking just got turned towards body work and I guess rehabilitation, you know, how do bodies function, how do they heal, how right. do we, you know, supplement that. So, 
I just started my path there and wound up working at a health food store where a young lady gave me the first massage I'd ever had. Since that helped, I just said, well, massage, huh? Because I had never really, I didn't know anything about massage. I'd never really thought about it. So it was the first time after having had one, I went, wow, that's like, I didn't know it would really help people with pain. What did you think you it know, was I, before? Uh, I think I just thought it was a luxury. Gotcha, um, okay. Not, not having any background with it. Um, and then granted, this was 99, like it's, you know, 20 years later. So yeah. uh, even the marketplace has changed, I think, in the last 20 years. Uh, but particularly in Louisiana, I just didn't know anything about it. So whenever I felt my muscles relax that way for the first time, I actually, from just a good, vigorous, like deep Swedish, I got kind of nauseous. Mm-hmm. And for me, it wasn't a bad thing. It just felt like my body was somehow processing like so much that it you know, turned into a little bit of nausea. But from there, I just said, hey, you know, what about massage school? Like I didn't have any you know, work plans because of my situation. And the more I thought about it, I was like, well, if I can't afford massage, I can at least trade with other massage therapists. Right, right. So maybe I'll continue to get better. Maybe I'll learn stuff. And that was really what kicked off the entire you know, process. Cool. So you find yourself in massage school. How long is massage school in the States? Uh, it depends on what state you're in. Uh, at that time, I moved from Louisiana to Pennsylvania. I went to the Baltimore School of Massage in York, Pennsylvania. And at that time, Pennsylvania did not have state regulation, but I made sure that their program fit what was going on legally in Louisiana before I left. Right. And the program I went through was 637 hours. Uh, Texas right now only requires 500. So you find yourself in massage school. Was, was it everything that you thought it was going to be, massage school? Or did you kind of go into it really kind of blank slate? Um, I think I went in pretty blank slate. I mean, I literally had one massage and within the space of uh, three hours started asking myself, hey, why don't you go to massage school? Yeah. Wow. I, I never thought about that. I, and I didn't know anything about anatomy. I had never been hugely, you know, biology focused. Um Massage school wasn't really that different than I thought, but I did get a chance to deal with people in a very different context. Um, I think as a male therapist in particular, you as a young guy, I mean, I was 25 or so, somewhere yeah. 25, 20, somewhere in the late 20s, um, you had to deal with men and women, interaction, uh, touch, intimacy, sexuality, like all these uh, things that were just kind of thrown at you in the culture. So I think there was kind of a, a steep learning curve in some ways, but I don't think that massage school was that different than I thought it would be. Um, I know that all these years later, when I talk to students in massage school, I'm perpetually kind of confused at how the education is delivered. But I teach as a continuing education provider uh, mm-hmm. for a very distinct reason. Uh, I think. Putting me in core curriculum would be like putting a stick of dynamite in your school. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're out of massage school now. Give us, uh, give us the career path. Like, how do we get to where you are at now? <clears throat> yeah, so I, I moved back to Louisiana once I finished school. Um, I started working. I got my first job at a place on Highland Road in Baton Rouge called the Beauty Box. 
Uh, a guy named Cliff owned it at that time. Uh, it was my first run in with, are you an employee or an independent contractor? <laughs> mm-hmm. And looking back, I laugh now because I know stuff that I didn't know then. But um, I worked there temporarily. I got another job at Salon London, which was kind of a ritzy spa at that time in Baton Rouge. I worked there for three or four months until I got canned. Um, Why'd you get canned? To- oh, well, I was told they were trying to build a team. And I remember this is I was called into the office. And sometimes the team works and sometimes it doesn't. We're going to have to let you go. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Apparently, apparently, I was not a team player. Um but yeah, I'd gotten reviews. Uh, it was really interesting. The other employees were quite upset. Uh, I'd gotten reviews saying it was like the best massage they'd ever had. But I think some of the other uh, therapists didn't quite like me or my attitude. So, But again, I was very focused on health and wellness and well-being, whereas most of the therapists I ran into seemed to be very focused on like spa services, which is not at all the direction I was going. Louisiana was very frustrating. Louisiana was the last state in the union to make chiropractic legal to my knowledge. So there weren't a lot of avenues to do what I consider like more like medical massage. There weren't a lot of avenues in Louisiana for that. I stayed for two or three years in Louisiana I worked at several different facilities. I wound up at a Women's Center for Wellness, part of Women's Hospital. I worked there for a year, year and a half. And then finally, I started building a private practice on the side. And once I started building private practice was when things started to really get interesting. Um, I later moved uh, to Austin uh, to be with my uh, girlfriend, now wife. And I've been here for the last, oh man, it's 12 years, something like that. It's been quite a long time. It's over 10. Mm-hmm. So when I moved to Austin, same sort of deal. I was, I was so excited to work in a medical facility. I got a job with a chiropractor um, in Cedar Park, worked with him for about a year, and finally just got fed up. You couldn't do mat work. Nobody knew what it was. Nobody cared. I moved to this very progressive town only to realize that there was no Thai massage, there was no mat-based work, and it w- wasn't really that much more progressive than anywhere else. Right. So I worked there for about a year and then got a job at a nonprofit in Austin where I did um, sort of volunteer coordinating for a couple of years. What I did then was I, I kind of had private clients I saw on the side while I was doing this nonprofit stuff. And the nonprofit gig was actually very instructive to my massage practice because it was the first time I really had to figure out how to do things I had no training for. Uh, The way my boss dealt with me was like, we need this to get done. And I go, okay, how do we do that? (laughs) And I have to figure it out, you know, do Google research, watch, watch videos. And from there, I think I just gained a lot of confidence that I could problem solve on the fly. So when I went full-time back into my massage practice, I got a job at a chiropractor's office in Pflugerville. It's a Pflugerville Wellness Center. I worked there for three years, and they had a very set schedule. It was about 12 hours a week, very solid, very consistent, insurance billing. And once I got in, I became the fix-it guy. I became the guy that the chiropractor and the other therapist who didn't want to do, you know, this session for this person because they got some issue they don't get, they would send them to me. 
Mm-hmm. And what I did was I spent all my free time building my private practice on the side. It gave me this really solid stability. And for the next three years, I was literally working like 60, 80 hours a week, not just including like, you know, work on clients, but uh, at that time, because I started teaching, writing workbooks, materials, DVDs, building my social media presence, starting a YouTube channel, um, all of those things. So that was the long trajectory. I worked for a lot of different people. And then five, six years ago, uh, my wife and I bought a home here in Round Rock, which is just north of Austin. That was when things really started to cook. Once I was in complete solo private practice um, and had a mortgage, it was like, okay, let's do this. Right and at that stage, I had enough business savvy to, to know the basic functioning and how to do it. My body work skills have been honed from just years and years of working in various facilities. So I don't know. I excelled. I excelled in private practice in a way that I didn't, I had never really seen uh, previously. I had seen a lot of therapists work for other people. I don't know that many therapists who work completely solo. Um, certainly, I have contact with some online. But uh, locally, working with the local massage therapist population, most of them have some sort of gig working for somebody. Right, right. So when did the tie come in? So like you finish massage therapy school, you know, you, you've got these jobs that you're, you know, you're going to. You get canned at one. I like yeah. that story. Um, when, oh, did, when, did you, fired. <laughs> <laughs> when did you take on the tie and when did you do that training? Yeah, we, I, I had been a cook um, for a long time, long before I ever became a massage therapist. And I had worked at a health food store. When I got back to Louisiana, I worked at a health food store because I was waiting to get my license in Louisiana because I had to file paperwork and whatever. And Vernon Smith Vernon was an owner of a massage school in Baton Rouge. He came into the health food store several times and he knew I was a massage therapist. We'd had that conversation and he asked me if I would be a cook at a retreat for massage therapists. And, you know, I found out the logistics and said, oh, sure. I mean, anything to make extra money. Right. So I go to this retreat. I'm making food for everybody. And there's this woman there and she did a time massage demonstration. And when I looked at it, and granted, this time, I'm just a massage therapist. I work on a table. You know, I'm working as a cook at this retreat. I couldn't even afford to go to the retreat if I wanted to. I just wound up there because of the gig. Yeah. So she put somebody on a mat, and from as an outsider, it looked kind of like, huh, that looks kind of like yoga. Like she's, you know, moving the person around and, like, mobilizing and stretching them in a way I'm not familiar with on a mat. Right. Talk to the teacher said, hey, you know, I want to get a session. And she's like, nah, I can't. I'm totally booked out. You can go see, you know, my my teaching assistant, Kendra. And I was like kind of taken aback. Like, what do you mean you can't see me? Like, you're so busy. You can't take new clients, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that kind of piqued my interest. And then when I got a session with Kendra, her teaching assistant at that time, uh, Kendra worked on me. The session was like 90 minutes. It was, it just felt like everything I'd been looking for. I was so blown away by the session. I was like, I'll teach, I'll take everything she teaches, period. End of story. Like it was like a light bulb went off. Like this is it. Um, Did that make you want to kind of abandon, you know, the table work? Oh, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. In my case, immediately. It's not like that for everybody, but I think also for me, it's kind of like being a bloodhound. If you're in pain, you're trying to get that pain to go away. Right. You'll, 
you'll do anything. And for me, I just went this, I mean, this is it. Like it just seemed to be able to reach down into my body into like old areas of tension and just unwind it very, very quickly. So I, I don't know. I just fell in love with it. Um, from that point, what I did was the, the woman who became my teacher, I took a class with her, was polite, you know, consistent, asked questions, practiced and said, Hey, I want to be a teaching assistant. And when I say I want to be a teaching assistant, I can say this now as an educator. Um, I can offer like teaching assistant to various students in and around my area. And I mean, I don't want to criticize my teaching assistants, but in this instance, this was like Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) And I came in like Luke Skywalker and I'm telling you, listen, I took payments, helped with paperwork, carried mats, swept. I mean, it was like anything she needed. I was like, can I help? Can I help? Can I help? And the whole reason I did it was just to take weight off of her. Right. Uh, Because I knew if I could take weight off of her, she was going to be more amenable to working with me. And that's exactly what happened. I was such a good teaching assistant. I mean, for the next two or three years, I assisted. It had to have been, you know, 10 to 15 classes at least. Um, So it was interesting. As a teaching assistant, you didn't just see her teaching class you got to see the students' questions. You got to see how she delivered the curriculum. You got to see how she answered their questions and how she dealt with them, I guess, energetically, uh, culturally. You got to see these table-based therapists go through this transition where they're going, oh man, I've got to learn how to like use my legs and feet on a mat. Mm -hmm. You know, this is crazy. So I worked with her for two or three years and then Hurricane Katrina happened. And when Hurricane Katrina happened, New Orleans was gone, I mean, to my mind. Um, I was living in Baton Rouge. Uh, She had moved off to the West Coast. And in the absence of my teacher, it began this interesting process where I learned all I could. I didn't have a lot of other body workers in the area that I felt like I was learning from. Mm -hmm. So I started learning from my own experience and practice and then from more communication with my clients. When I moved to Austin, that was when I was in isolation. And it wasn't until after that gig uh, working at the chiropractor's office. I'd been in Texas at that point, maybe for about three years. You know, I called her up and said, yo, listen, there is no time massage in, in Texas. I mean, it is just dead. You know, I want to teach. And she was very taken aback because I think I'd been sort of a little more meek and mild, mainly because I was only getting my chops at that time. I was studying with her. I wasn't very confident in what I did. Um, I remember having conversations with her and I could feel her try to encourage me, but I just didn't, I didn't have it yet. It would be like um, me taking dancing classes. I'd have to practice for several years until I felt like an adept. Yeah. So when I talked to her on the phone, she said, oh, Robert, you took, she's like, I don't know how many classes you assisted. She's like, you're a yoga teacher. You've practiced it for years. You know it. She's like, just make your own workbook. And that was the thing. Um, For me, as like a, a lineage thing, I as a Westerner did the best I could to get get permission, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So after I did that, um, I made a workbook, which became the curriculum for my intro tie class, which is the first mat-based class. It's a very similar thing that you might get from, you know, the old medicine hospital in Thailand. 
um, very similar sequence, a lot of the same moves, but essentially I started teaching what's a Western form of Thai massage. And I was asking more questions about the energetics, the theory behind it. Um, and I'd never been a very strong practitioner in the sense of I was never fixated on tradition, uh, nor was my original teacher. I was just fixated on better body work and making people feel better. Right. I just felt like the mat was a more advantageous biomechanical position to work from. That has been still all these years later really confusing to massage therapists who work on a table. But I absolutely just love the work and kept it alive. Even when other people didn't quite get it, massage therapists didn't get it, I just, I don't know, I was just damned and determined that th yeah. this was going to happen. It's like if the industry didn't know about it, it was going to know about it by the time I was dead. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So is is Thai a hard sell? Like is it is it difficult to get clients to kind of understand what you're doing, why you're doing it versus something very traditional on the table? Um, you know, my position on that has changed and I can explain it to you. Years ago when I got that job at a chiropractor's office, here's what happened. I went into the office, um, I spoke to the chiropractor and said, Hey, you know, I had a wonderful resume. It was full of, you know, classes I had taken, stuff I had done, you know, years of experience, pain management. And I said, I do time massage. And the lady said, yeah, yeah, well, Dr. Hoster is her name. She's now, I think, kind of semi-retired. Uh, she said, yeah, yeah, we'll get your work and get you started. And I said, no, I do time massage. And she's like, yeah, yeah, we'll get you going, get you started. <laughs> and I realized she didn't know what it was. Right. Because her response was like, I don't know, it was like, I, oh, you study myofascial release? Okay, whatever. You study trigger point there? Okay, whatever. You know, It was just kind of a bypass. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> you so, don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> what happened from that point was I just told myself, listen, get the job, get in, teach them what it is. And essentially what happened was in the next, like the first six months maybe, um, I just worked on a table. And the clients came in and it's like, okay, take off your clothes, lay down on that table. I'll be back in a minute, whatever. Yeah. And my hands, again, started to hurt. And the reason why is because I'm a you know, larger guy, but I've got kind of delicate wrists. And it's just too much compressive force. I would almost hurt myself trying to help people, um, just right, as a general right. rule. Just, just the way I, I rolled with body work. Not because I wanted to hurt myself, but... I wouldn't sacrifice helping the person get better. So I, essentially, I started doing table tie. And here was the spiel. Once, once I understood my position at the facility was secure, these people were coming in for a $10 copay, sometimes for like an hour. Um, mm -hmm. So what I would do is say, listen, take off your shoes, lay down on the table just like you are. I'm going to move you around so I can find out where the tension is. And I would do essentially table tie for 10, 15 minutes and then say, Hey, you know, you got this thing in your upper back and neck. Do you want to go ahead and like take off your shirt and lay down face first in the face rest for like deep tissue? Or do you want to keep doing what we're doing? And all the clients said, no, th this is really good. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I, what I did was in central Texas, you sold Thai massage by not telling them it was Thai because they have all these weird preconceived notions or they don't know what it is. But after that initial session where I was like, they were like, man, what, what, I've never had anybody move me around like that. What is this? And I go, it's Thai massage. Now, the, their response to it that way was completely different because now they're going, I loved that. 
That yeah. helped me with pain. That and they would tell me all the time, like, this is more effective. Why aren't therapists doing this? And I went, because you won't let people, because you have preconceived notions wrapped around your psychology and emotions and culture and sales <laughs> yeah. that doesn't promote Thai massage as somehow superior or whatever. So in other words, is it a hard sell? You, I used to think so. What happened at that chiropractor's office was after I had built 70 to 80% of my practice as table tie, I walked into that same chiropractor's office and said, hey, I want to put in a mat. And she's like, whatever you want to do. And I went, <laughs> oh, man, are you kidding me? Like I had, to, I had to like show them there was money in it, in other words. Yeah. Show them that the clients were happy with it. And once that happened, they would let me do it. So what, what happened at that stage is, you know, my practice became 70 to 80% mat based, even at the chiropractor's office for another like year or two. So initially when I was learning the sales, I remember sitting and thinking about Thai massage and going, man, you know, why don't people want this? And in the end, every time it was like, cause it's not massage. Massage is, is I tell students in class this regularly cause I've thought about it so much. In the West, massage is table cream glide and neutral. If you take away any of those components, the consumer starts to question whether or not it's really massage. Mm -hmm. So from that stance, you know, we got table cream, glide, and nudity. The only thing I took away in a table tie class was the nudity. Right. Really. And then it's it's like easy enough of a transition to get therapists to start to think about mobility, to start to think about interacting with people's bodies in a different way other than just using their arms and hands. As I continued to work at the marketing, I had a shift in my mental perspective. And there's this thing where, you know, people, well, people need a car because people got to get somewhere. And then you think about Uber and you go, well, how did Uber, you know, overcome the taxi industry? Well, they offered essentially like at its base, it was transportation. There was a transportation problem and the car was a solution. A taxi was a solution, but Uber saved you time. The first time I used Uber, I was at a friend's place in Dallas and I was going to the airport and I had never used the app. And um, I, I was looking at it that morning, having coffee. And I, I was probably 15 minutes from where I wanted to press the button and have them come get me. And I, I did something and pressed the button and it said, your ride will be here in six minutes. Right. And I went, Oh my, oh, what? That's not <laughs> possible. That, that's not, and that's the thing, Uber, what Uber gave people was it gave them time back. Yep. It, it was so vastly efficient and solved the transportation problem in a way that people couldn't conceive of. I think that time massage exists in somewhat the same way. It's just that it's solving a problem in a way that a consumer doesn't look at it as massage. Because right, they've right. been sold a cultural package, which is table cream, glide, and nudity. Once I really looked at the service and I went, okay, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't worry about it being Thai. Don't worry about it being Asian. Like, what's the problem that we're solving? Let's look at that. Yep. And, and it's like for consumers, for the most part, when you think of massage, you had either relaxation or pain relief. Pain relief was definitely my bread and butter. So I focused more on that. I'm like, okay. So they have a problem. We have to provide a solution. The problem is they're in pain. You know, they'd say, well, I want deep tissue. And I'd say, Thai massage is deeper than deep tissue. You know, you started to change your language and they'd go, oh, 
well, uh, well, I guess I guess I'll try that because there's mm-hmm. a little bit of an impediment because if they don't know what it is, like they don't know the difference between riding in a Chrysler, a Honda, a Mercedes, a BMW, a Porsche. They're all cars, but they're distinct brands. They're different styles of vehicle that are you know have different accoutrements. So when I started looking at Thai massage and I said, okay, I think it's better for pain relief. One, then. Don't worry about the fact that it's Thai. Don't worry about the fact that it's Asian. Don't, you know, don't worry about those factors. From a sales perspective, what advantages it does it have? Like when you look at massage in our marketplace, in our culture, uh, the way that it's used, the way it's delivered, I had had a long time where the fact that people were clothed was a disadvantage. And I, I would just get frustrated because I'm like, damn it, they won't look at it like it's massage because they have clothes on. Right. And then I'm like, okay, so I do work that's clothed. What's the advantage? And and here's what happened. It, it finally collided. Like I was looking at business. I was looking at real marketing, sales, social media. And I said, everybody's clothed. You can film and photo document everything. Yep. They're clothed. And then it reframed the way I looked at things. And I was like, video, why haven't you been making? And it's like, well, one, Nobody taught me. So when it came to marketing, I looked at it and said, you know, why didn't I think about this before? And it's like the reason I hadn't is because I had not developed enough business sensitivity and savvy. Um, You know, when I went to school, YouTube didn't even exist. I don't think YouTube came out to like 2003 or something. Mm -hmm. So I'd already been out of school three or four years when YouTube even popped up for the first time. So the idea of producing video, uh, producing a podcast the way that you contacted me online said, Hey, let's do a podcast. And I go, sure. And then we set it up and it's done. That was just developing. So what happened was I said, okay, the fact that it's clothed, I think it's better for pain relief. One, two, it's easier on my hands, but the clients, the clients don't care that it's easier for me. Now they don't want to hurt me, but they don't particularly care that it's easier on my body. That's not a sales point for them. What's a sales point for them? And I go, you don't have to take your clothes off. And as a male therapist, that was even greater because when I was getting uh, clients who were women sometimes, it gave me a little bit more leeway, um, a little bit more sense of safety on their end if they had never interacted with a male therapist. And I did something kind of different. The fact that it was done clothed, I said, you can do it publicly. It's like chair massage. That is the point at which things really started to shift. There was a Mm -hmm. tectonic shift in the way I looked at the work and I said, the advantage I have in the marketplace is I can film and photo document everything. Yeah, I can literally just set up cameras in my studio and document my entire practice, teaching, classes, clients, everything. You can't necessarily do that with other kinds of massage because the person is nearly naked or at least it's more challenging. Um, The way that I started dealing with it at that point is to make a long story short, um, I ran into the acro yoga community. The acro yoga community was at least interested in Thai massage, which at that time massage therapists weren't. Um, I showed up in an event where these people had Thai massage open practice. And what it was was these people were getting together in somebody's living room originally and just kind of doing a little Thai massage on each other. Kind of a little informal kind of group class. Right. I, I showed up at the event. It was at a yoga studio. Uh, a young lady who had organized it said, hey, will you teach us some stuff? And I was in shock. I could not give away Thai massage in Austin at that time. And there were eight or so people. I worked with them. I said, sure, okay, whatever. 
Um, I worked with them. You know, we were probably playing ACDC or whatever music. Uh, they were working on each other. Everybody was laughing and giggling, you know, these young, young people from the acro yeah. community. I had a great time. They had a great time. And this young lady ran up to me at the end and she said, hey, can we do this again next week? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been doing that every week on Thursday night for like the past seven years. Oh, wow. And that, ev that event became Time Massage Jam which I tell people is the first community bodywork event in America. <laughs> we have uh, 12 chapters now uh, nationally in the U.S., and it continues to grow. And essentially, because everybody's clothed, we get together in our small communities. Um, I get other therapists who trained with me in Dallas or you know, St. Louis or Las Vegas, whatever cities people have studied with me. Um, I give them some basic training and organizational structure and have them run these community bodywork events right where on. people can, can come in and learn and share and practice. And it gives Time Massage more of a foundation um, in the Western marketplace because at that time, and it may still be the case, the number one keyword for massage on Google was what is Time Massage? Nobody knew what it was. Uh -huh. So Time Massage Jam then became this entity I fostered for the last seven years. And then I continued working um, on the marketing, the social media, the practice, the workbooks, the videos, all the stuff I'd been producing. And it all grew. It all worked. Um, I didn't so, draw every client, but I drew very loyal clients. When you, when you were first starting this off and you were like kind of one of the few people in your community doing this, did you get a lot of blowback from other massage therapists? Like, hey, what's, what's this guy doing? What's this guy up to? Um, yeah, yeah. People, how do I put this? I don't know if you've noticed this, and I don't know what the situation is in Toronto. I mean, I think of Toronto as like a Canadian New York. I don't know if that's like an offensive thing to say to somebody from Toronto, but no, not at all. Uh, progressive, a larger city. You, yeah. you get a, a, a large, you know, swath of people from all over the world. Maybe a little bit more progressive. What I see online is people pride themselves on how open-minded they are until somebody comes in and says something they don't like. <laughs> 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 then they're no longer open-minded. Um, I think massage therapists on the whole, there's a thing in our culture where people love being part of a tribe and they do not like feeling outcast. Right. I, I basically was outcast from day one. And I said, I'm going to go create a tribe. And what I did was I went through the party every Thursday night, had, you know, eight or 10 people each night come and hang out with me at work. The people who loved it really loved it. Now, in its early years, I would say in the last two years, the Time Size Jam in Austin, the original chapter that I run, it's changed. We're getting a lot more massage therapists now. Um, I get massage therapists in my classes who come in for the first class and they say, I want to do mat work. That is a sea change. That simply was not the case five years ago. Yeah. When I started teaching, all these therapists just went, dude, I don't understand what this is. This is not even massage. Like, th th it's on a mat. The person doesn't take their clothes off. Like, I don't even know, you know, the therapists in a way, I think they don't like stuff that stands out. They mm. want massage to fit in a, a very nice package they were delivered in school. And I just came in and was like, you know, put a stick of dynamite underneath their table and held my ears and went, wait, we'll have a good foundation here in just a minute. <laughs> it, was, it was changing the way they looked at the work. And it's like a lot of people generally, 
they just don't like it. If you had asked, you know, cabbies, you know, what do you think about Uber? They're like, this is horrible. They don't have licenses and you know, exactly. whatever. But it's like it's taken over for a variety of reasons. One, because it was brutally efficient, probably less expensive, you know, a lot of factors going for it. I think Thai massage in some ways exists in somewhat a same realm. It's that massage therapists are slow to pick up on it. They don't really think it's a viable option. Mm -hmm. And there are not a lot of practitioners like me floating around with high enough level skill to be able to continue to push it out. Now, it is growing, but it's like when you're talking about less than 1% of the overall massage population, that's not a lot of practitioners. And most practitioners, in my experience, they've taken like a class or two. You know, they went to Chiang Mai and studied for, you know, six weeks and then came home. They're not adepts. They're not people who've practiced and had done it for years. Mm -hmm. Like me trying to explain, like students will come in class and ask me, well, like, why did you do this? And I go, what? <laughs> <laughs> Like, isn't, oh, okay, let me, let me, you know, slow it down and explain it to them, you know, based on, you know, years of, of experience working with people in chronic pain. I think that people pride themselves on being open-minded. I don't think they are. That's not the experience I have. People, including myself, by the way, um, my wife will joke with me about this because she'll go, hey, I got something new. And I'm like, eh, I'm not into that. <laughs> oh, yeah. just, just because it's different. Just because it's different. I'm like, eh, I'm not, you know, I'm not real sure. Um, and over time, social media has had a big effect on me personally in accepting things that are new, especially when it comes to tech and software, you know, what c c capacity uh, does something allow me. I think massage therapists fought it, but slowly what's happened is it's begun to transform the marketplace in Austin where mat-based work is acceptable. Yeah. It's growing. Uh, students want to learn it. They're hearing about it in school. Um, and we just continue to push and grow. Um, I think that the marketplace is open for change. And I think that there are different kinds of work. Just like, you know, we can solve a transportation problem with a Honda, a Porsche, or Mercedes, you know, a Chrysler. But nobody feels like because we have those options, the car is somehow lessened. If anything, we feel like the, the, the marketplace diversified. And I really think that is the process that's happening. And for me, I had to look at marketing differently because I had to create a market. I couldn't walk into a ready-made marketplace and go, I do massage. Okay, it's, it's time massage. It's a better massage. You know, I couldn't really do that. I, I kind of had to create a new marketplace for people who wanted, you know, something that was mat-based. It worked. But what I see also with students, I can teach them the body work, and then they get frustrated because they go, well, why don't you open a place? And I go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> this happens, uh, they say this all the time in class. And I, I would used to wonder, like, why did they want me to open a place? And then I realized they wanted me to do the business work. Right. They wanted me to hire them and have them do the body work. And I was like, no, no, I'm not really interested in a brick and mortar. And that is a big divide uh, between me and my students. They don't understand that at all. They're completely like, you, you, but you'd be so much more legitimate. And I'm like, why? Because we have a building? Yeah. 
Well, that's, that's the, the idea, way. right? Like a lot of people, yeah. if you're not an early adopter, then that's the mindset. You you need something else to, to make this legit until, you know, the early majority kicks in and understands and buys into it. And then, you know, the bigger hump, the late majority kicks in and buys into it. Well, I've, I've had conversations with other massage therapists and educators, and this is a divide between myself and them. You know, people look at it and they're like, Robert, but you could be making more money. And I go, I have a digital school that scales worldwide. Exactly. Why would I open a brick and mortar? And they go, but Robert, you could, and that's the thing, they've only ever considered having a brick and mortar. Massage therapists who are successful open massage chains and hire massage therapists. And I went, okay, so if I'm going to hire therapists, I'm going to have to take 50% of what comes in the door. Why don't I just teach therapists to run their own business? Uh-huh. Now, some therapists really like that, but <clears throat> the therapists who don't want to work at it go, oh, this is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And I go, yeah, running your own business is a lot of work, but you get to keep 100%. So what I keep doing online is documenting my process in social media. I have an online school. The school has 250 hours worth of my classes, instructions, sessions, social media marketing, everything a therapist would need. And I keep adding to that weekly. And people are going, dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, scaling it worldwide. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> like, nice. I can do this. <clears throat> you can do this as an educator. You can scale your business. I mean, when I get like an Instagram message from somebody and they took my carpal tunnel relief class online, they're in Italy. Italy was not part of my target market as an educator. Yeah. Yep. But it's amazing that the technology allows us to reach out. The fact that people are clothed, I could video document things, and I just continue that process. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about then the online stuff that you have going on, because you also have like a, a subscription-based program that's happening. Is that what you're in reference to right now? Or yeah, is, yeah. Okay, tell us a little bit about that, because like I was saying before, I can't remember if we caught that on mic or not, but we were wrapping before we uh, started recording stuff, and... I really like what you're doing, especially with all the online stuff. And I wanted to expose this to a lot more Canadian RMTs. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you got going on with the online subscription-based so, education. <clears throat> what happened for me was I was teaching classes and I had initially I had intro and table tie. You had a beginner mat class, beginner table class. And I made a workbook for the intro tie class. And then I made, oh, wow, well, if I've got a workbook, why don't I make videos that go along with the workbook and follow it page by page? Because if I give a, a free copy away of the workbook as a PDF, then maybe people will buy the videos and then you start this kind of funnel. Right. So I knew enough at that time. And essentially what happened was I wrote 700 pages of sequence manuals. That was four workbooks. And then I made 12 hours of video instruction of core curriculum, just time massage, really. Uh, very Western time massage, but time massage biomechanically, nonetheless. Okay. Once we made those materials, um, I got in touch with a, a friend and colleague I work with now, and he was very, very interested in digital marketing. And it was the first time I'd ever had access to uh, – it was a different mindset – um, dealing with digital marketing, digital marketing was not the industry I was in. You know, I'm a body worker. Yeah. But when I encountered him and he looked at my website and said, yo, you have digital stuff for sale? Like you're not, you're not promoting this? And I go, well, I mean, we don't make any sales. Like it's just like one a month, like, a, you know, 40 bucks for a DVD or something. It wasn't much at that time. So 
slowly working with him, what happened was the digital process started to crop up in my mind. And he kept talking about webinar. And I went, webinar? What the hell is a webinar? <laughs> <laughs> and now we, we do webinars semi-regularly. And what happened was he was like, you know, listen, it's an ad. It's, it's, a, it's, it's an infomercial. It's a late night infomercial. And you're going to tell people what you do and offer them your stuff. And we did it and it worked. We started selling retail. At that point, something broke. And what broke was I'd been dealing with a brick and mortar kind of business. You mm -hmm. had to come see me or uh, be in my class, in my physical presence to buy stuff. And then all of a sudden I had this digital stuff and you started the process of going, people in Iraq can buy this. People in China, Taiwan, Indonesia, Australia, Germany, Latvia, Lithuania, you know, yep. <clears throat> South America can buy this stuff. Then you, you, we began that process where we were doing webinars semi-regularly. We we're selling more retail. Things were picking up because now I had diversified revenue streams. I had classes, clients, and retail. Yeah. And I looked at it and I went, you know, I've already got a camera. I've got a lav mic. It's pretty good quality. I had a tripod. And I, I looked at my associate who I work with and I said, can we do a subscription service? And he was like, yeah, Teachable's already, you know, set up like we were using it to distribute. And I was like, what? You mean to tell me right now that I can film all of my classes, upload the material and give people access to that as part of recurring payments? And he's like, yeah, man, it's this. And, and I just lost it because <laughs> for me, it was like you had to put the pieces together. And I again, I wasn't a digital marketer. So what happened was people would look at 700 pages of sequence manuals, 12 hours of video content and go, well, that's it, right? And I go, no, like I like, how do you show them how to color outside the lines? Yeah, like, yeah. How do I how do I talk about trigger point therapy, myofascial release, pain science, Walt Fritz, dermoneuromodulating, the nervous system, yoga, pranayama, breathing exercises, you know, the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system and the relation and you know, all this stuff I'd been dealing with for years. Time massage was just the portal of entry. Like I just blended all this, you know, stuff together as I was learning. So when we started the subscription, essentially what happens at this stage is we just bulk record my classes and upload the content. Mm -hmm. Right now we have 250 hours of my materials of video instruction online available essentially as a vault. Now we'll sometimes call it a vault, sometimes call it a subscription, sometimes we call it a vault subscription. Because when you pay $7 a month, you get access to that 250 hours of instruction. In addition, what we added was a private Facebook group. And the private Facebook group allows me to talk with therapists, answer their questions. Um, I set up like Facebook lives or times where I can interact with them and teach them in an interactive way online. Mm -hmm. So we continue to just build that subscription service to be able to answer those students' needs. And it's really just a snapshot of my entire practice, including business. But I also go into technique and work on a table. A lot of the students are working on the transition, which is getting the clients from the table to the mat. Um, I don't know. Uh, a lot of therapists or a lot of educators will do like coaching where they pay somebody $100 for a phone call. And I just felt like I could get more done if it was less expensive. And I could get more done 
if I drew the students who were willing to work at it. So basically, it's like I give you the template, but you, you're the one who has to put it into play. Right. And every time people join, they're like, what do you mean this is only $7? And I go, well, you've got to do the work. Like, I can't do it for you. You know, I'm not going to give you a job at a place. I'm not, you know, franchising time massage facilities or whatever. But I can give you the template for your private practice, and then you can just run with it. So at this stage, we've got, you know, my social media. We probably release a video a day. We've got 700 pages, sequence manuals, and 12 hours of core, like, video content. And then we added another 250 hours of video instruction. And then my next class, we set up cameras, record the thing, and just keep making the quality better as we go. Right on, man. I dig it. Tell me about the business side, like uh, the business uh, online stuff that you have, because that that always fascinates me a little bit, especially being here north of the border. Uh, I talked about this with a couple of uh, business coaches um, like Scott Lindquist and um, Rebecca Overson. Sean Kitzman, yeah. I've had them on the podcast. And because I'm really fascinated with the business approach that you guys have and the coaching, the, the, the coaching, the business mentoring, because I don't, I don't see a lot of that up here. And I think there's a massive disconnect with massage therapists north of the border Is looking at themselves. Insurance? No. And, and, and Scott brought that up. Scott's like, hey, you got third party pairs. And, and does that create, you know, a little bit of a laxity in terms of, your need for business acumen. I'm like, no, that's not it at all. I mean, even though there's there's uh, extended healthcare companies that are, are really paying for the majority of what a massage therapist makes in Canada, um, you know, just because you have that going for you doesn't mean you don't have to put in the time, the effort into the marketing. And you see that a lot where there's <clears throat> A massage therapist just is not as busy as they can be, or they don't have, they don't have the business acumen. But I see yeah. a lot from you guys down there where you're, you're, you have the services where you're coaching and mentoring and offering these types of things. And that's one of the reasons why I keep having you guys on because you guys are offering something that I just don't see a lot here. Hmm. So, so tell us a little bit about the business education that you have. Well, the, the business education that I have is mainly in the subscription and most of what I have there currently, which because it's my vault, like I can amend it, I can add to it, I can replace videos, I can make yep. it better. What I did was, um, I, you know, I would take my Facebook and I would literally screen share and go, hey, this is my Robert Gardner Wellness business page. This is how I post to it. This is how I make a video. This is how I do Facebook Live. This right. is how I share the video. This is how I, because the thing is, you're just giving them a simple, for Facebook at least, yep. a basic social media tutorial of how you're using Facebook to get more views and noise and you know fans, followers. Then I would flip to another platform like Instagram, another platform like Twitter. Um, you know, I'd have information about rebooking, which is showing you, uh, uh, Scott Lindquist's, you know, big, big baby there uh, that he focuses on. I would just give them the marketing stuff from my angle. And right. then with the private uh, Facebook group, if they had additional questions, they could ask and then I could answer. So eventually somebody was asking me about like Google AdWords. So I made like a short, you know, 15, 20 minute video on that just to talk about it. Because what's the difference between Google ads and Facebook ads? Right, well, right, right. a lot. But, you know, it's like, but if, but if you don't know, it's kind of overwhelming. So I just provide the content and information. And then also, uh, because when students study with me, after they take intro tie, 
I put them through sort of a certification track to be certified to run a time massage jam in their area because I'm trying to replicate what I've done in my practice, kind mm -hmm. of give them the basic template and framework to have them do the same and work with me in an ongoing way. So, you know, social media production. Um, I literally inside the subscription go, this is the tripod I have. This is the camera I have. This is the lav mic I have. If you buy those, I can show you how to push a button <laughs> and you can record everything you do and, you know, upload it and become a vlogger or, you know, whatever. Right. So I would just screen share my social media profiles, um, talk about websites and search engine optimization. You know, I got very comfortable with that after a while, but it didn't come easy. It was something I really had to spend time reading articles, putting all the pieces together, much like we did with the subscription. Like, when I started selling workbooks and DVDs, it was like, if you'd have said, you know, oh, you're going to start a subscription service, I was like, a what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had, yeah, I had conversations with my colleague, and I was like, do, do, is, there, is there even anything like that? And I went, no. Like, but we had reached the edge. We, had, we were at that point, I was looking outside of the massage industry for business advice because I had outstripped what I saw other educators or massage therapists doing. Right. I was looking at other businesses and going, well, how are they using Instagram? Do that. You know, how exactly. are they using Twitter? Do that. The combination of all of those things, the you know, exponential factor, the multiplicative factor of doing all of those things, it wasn't just social media. It was running a time massage jam locally. When I talk about running a time massage jam, our time massage jam is five bucks. Yeah. Like massage therapists would say, well, continuing education is expensive. I'm like, no, it's not. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, time massage jam is five bucks. It runs from like 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. every week for the last seven years. Get off your ass. <laughs> and they're like, oh, but it's not like a formal class. Okay, give me $400. And they're like, oh, <laughs> it's expensive. And I'm like, so choose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you everything I can. So the combination of organic, digital, build, 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 build. I just started to document that process and load it into the subscription. There was also additional stuff on my YouTube channel, you know, just like we're doing the podcast, talking about business. Yep. Hopefully it makes the therapist, the light go on. And exactly. most of the therapists I talk to, even though I'm a big fan of mat-based work and I think better body mechanics, most therapists aren't winning because of lack of business skill not because of lack of bodywork skill. Exactly. And I think it, you know, it took me years to understand it and to really conquer it because I mean, social media didn't exist when I was in massage school. It didn't, you know, they couldn't teach me how to use a computer to do that at that time, not mm -hmm. really. Like the internet as a marketing tool is fairly new. It's not that old. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And just being able to figure these things out really changes your marketing setup. And then that's, that's what can really propel you right into, you know, a very successful avenue. I'm, I'm totally with you. I love what you guys do down there, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm so fascinated by it because like I, maybe it's just I, I've, I've been a massage therapist for, I don't know, 14, 15 years. And maybe it's just me that I'm just unaware of these things that exist north of the border, but I just I'm not seeing it. And I'm I, again, I'm really in love with what you guys do down there. No, it's, it's very small. I mean, w once I started making video on YouTube a couple years in when it started to click of like what YouTube actually was. Like when I first made YouTube videos, it was just because my wife said, hey, you need a YouTube channel. Yeah. And I went, okay, I'll make a video. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, and it's like it, years later, I went, oh, man, I've got like a, a potential worldwide audience just teaching what you do. You know, it's like if, if you hit somebody's YouTube channel and they got 10 videos, you're like, eh. But if they got 100 videos, hey, if they got 1,000 videos, you're like, Exactly. Well, I'm spending all day here. They're, they're an expert. They have, a, they have like 1,000 videos. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, they're only going to watch like two to form an opinion of you. You know, determine whether they like you and subscribe. Mm -hmm. But digital scale, digital scale is the thing that transformed my business. The capacity for outreach where, listen, you and I have never talked in person ever. We've never met. We've never shook hands. You contacted me online and said, hey, want to do a podcast? I was like, sure, when you want to do it? And then I'm, I'm sticking headphones in my phone and going, okay, let's do it. <laughs> but that thing is, you could do that now. You couldn't do that 20 years ago in the same way. It's like the, the marketplace has changed because of technology. I have been, in the last couple of years, I feel like at the forefront of adopting new technologies and trying to figure out where it's going because I'm trying to stay ahead of the curve now. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard sell. I mean... I think I think there's just a lot of people that are still in an old school marketing mentality. Like the other half of what we do is a, a continuing education company called Con Ed Institute, and we have a couple digital marketing courses. And yeah. I'm I'm honestly a little blown back when I have students that sit into our class and they have no idea about some of the things that that we're bringing to the table. So it, it's it's it still blows my mind that yeah. there's a lot of therapists that are still not on board or they're fighting. I have. I've had people come into the group saying like, I don't, I don't believe in Facebook. Yeah. I'm like what? You know, so well, it's, it's not, it's not the Easter bunny, bro. <laughs> exactly. Facebook does exist. Yeah. Well, I, I think also years ago I would have students and they'd say, man, you keep making these YouTube videos. I don't understand why you're doing that. And I went, what do you mean? And they said, well, you're not getting paid. Like, why do you keep making those YouTube videos? And I'd have to go, okay, guys, listen real quick. I want you to understand this. YouTube is owned by Google. When I make a video that says carpal tunnel relief, you know, Austin, Texas, Robert Gardner, you know, whatever, people who have carpal tunnel problems and are looking for massage are more likely to find that video because of Google. Yep. And they went, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, and that's why we release a video a day. Yeah. Not now. And the thing is, if I had understood it, I would have started, you know, eight years ago and hired a videographer then because I could have gotten even more leverage because it was easier to get views eight years ago than it is now. Yeah. It's a part of the overall marketing strategy and everything about massage is a handshake. You know, it's very um, Mad Men. In the, in the film, the show Mad Men, you watch that? I don't watch it, but I do know what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just like the golden age of media in America when it was like TV, yeah. billboards, magazines. Well, the thing is, the marketing has now changed because you can just press a button on your phone. Like, you know, students in class will take break. Uh, and when we take break, everybody takes out their phone. Yep. And I would like use the restroom and then come back. And then when I would come back, everybody would be on their phone. And I'm like, I just want everybody to pause. <laughs> and I want you to look at everybody in the room and ask yourself, why does Robert keep putting videos out on social media? Because yep. you're all on your phone. That's why. Because I'm, I'm going where you are. Like, it doesn't mean that we don't do business handing out cards, handshakes, networking. The Time Massage Jam is a physical event. 
that people can go to who are interested in Thai massage, interested in body work, interested in health and well-being that's local. But here's what happens. I layer stuff. I set up a tripod, set up my phone and press a button and I work on somebody for 20 minutes and then I can float that Facebook live wherever I want. I can mm. download the video, upload it to YouTube. I can download it, cut it into minute long clips and then float two of those on Instagram or, or Twitter. Like, it's not that I'm not interacting with people in person. It's not like I don't go to events and do chair massage or whatever. It's just that I'm adding layers. I yeah. think that social media is one of the ways that therapists are losing. Um, I commented recently because there was a post that ran through my feed, and it was like, done for you, social, social media marketing. The therapists constantly tell me, like, no, nah, I want to outsource that. I don't want to do that. And I go, uh, that's like saying you don't want to be on TV. <laughs> To me, like, I don't really want to be on the news. I'll get somebody else to do it. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, know, I totally we get have, it. We have such a personal business. You know, they want to hear your voice. They want exactly. to get to know you. They want to interact with you. They want to find out about you, what makes you different, what makes you stand out as a practitioner. There's a lot of personality that goes along with sales. Yes. And a lot of times people buy just because, well, I don't know, I just like him. He's just a cool guy. Exactly. I mean, a lot of the times that's why a client is coming back to you as a therapist. Technically, are you the best therapist out there? Probably not. I mean, your your neighboring therapist is maybe technically better than you, but you have this long-standing client. Why? A big part of it is they like you. You, you foster a relationship. And those relationships can be fostered, nurtured, and supplemented with your smartphone. Totally agree. Yeah. Right on, brother. I like yeah. what you got to say. I, I, I'd love to have you back on again and wrap on a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. You're a really interesting dude. I just have one more question for you then before we call this a wrap. What do you think you'd be doing if you didn't get into that car accident? Ooh. Oh, man. That's a, that's a rough question. Um, I don't really know. I, I know that, like I said, I was thinking deep thoughts about unemployment. I don't know where my particular like mental set would have gone because I was so sick, I just had to get better. Everything turned yeah. towards that um, with like laser-like focus. Um, I've jokingly told people like if body work doesn't work out, I'd go be an investment banker. Um, but it's mainly because I'm interested in helping people get out of debt, uh, mm -hmm. build businesses. Like uh, in a way I become, I mean, I'm not exactly, but I have other educators sometimes who call me for advice because they're trying to figure out, you know, how to build their businesses. And I go, you have a phone, bro. Press a button. <laughs> <laughs> Tell people what you do. <laughs> And just keep doing it, you know. But I've, I've kind of gotten into business as a, a general term, not just, you know, massage business, but business generally. Mm -hmm. if, I had, if I had not gotten into a car accident, I think it likely that I still would have gone that direction somehow. Um, I'm just not sure how it would have manifested. For instance, at one point I was thinking about going to school for culinary arts but the thought of like being in a loud kitchen with a bunch of guys, you know, who are on drugs and knives and fire just didn't <laughs> sound like the sort of testosterone laden environment I wanted to be in. And right. uh, years later, when I started watching Tony Bourdain and reading his books, I was like, I made a good choice. <laughs> a quiet room with one person I'm going to relax, like an air conditioning sounds a whole lot better than that environment. But yeah, yeah um, business is my guess somehow, but I don't know exactly what that trajectory would have looked like. Right on, brother. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. 
Appreciate it. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Uh, so before we walk away from this, why don't you give um, why don't you give our audience some of your contact info? That way they can uh, find you via Facebook or find your website, get in touch with you for your courses, that type of thing. So my website is robertgardnerwellness.com. If you check out one of my YouTube videos, one of the ones that's come out recently, at the end of the video, there'll be a, a screenshot of my social media handles. Um, from all platforms, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, that sort of thing. And you can find our subscription service at rgwellness.teachable.com. Again, that's rgwellness.teachable.com. We host that off of our website because Teachable was a fairly stable platform to offer that. But yeah, if you you know want to follow me on social media or purchase something or whatever, you have uh, questions for me, feel free to reach out and make contact. Right on, right on. You guys go check him out. He's a, he's a cool dude. He's got some really awesome things going on. Innovator, man. You're an innovator and I totally dig it. Thank you very much. So you guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. It's been Mark and Robert. Peace.